0: If you work for a few years in the corporate world, you might have realized that the working world is divided into two kinds of people generalists and specialists. And while it might seem that being a generalist gives you maximum flexibility and maybe even the chance of getting to the top as CEO, the reality is that companies don't really run and cannot actually run without the help of a strong cast of specialists HR people, lawyers, finance people facilities, and maybe to an extent even sales. And as such, specialist careers could well be a lower risk way of building a career since these skills kind of always remain in demand in one way or the other. But on the other hand, it might seem very daunting to build a career like this. How does one stick to one thing for 20, 30, maybe even 40 years? What could possibly keep one motivated to stay in the same function for long enough to be valued and indispensable to the corporate world. Well, today we are speaking with Pallav Patni, who has spent his entire 20-year career so far in finance and in fact focused on the consumer goods industry. So we are going to ask him what keeps him motivated and challenged and what are the lessons he'd like to share from all of those years building a career in a specialized function. But before we begin, a couple of quick reminders. Please do subscribe to our show so you don't miss any of the great guests that we have coming up. And if you need notes from today's talk, head over to crazytalk.online to get the entire transcript. So with that said, Pallav, thank you so much for joining us today. And maybe before we begin, would you like to share with us your journey so far?
1: So first of all, thank you, Amit, for having me here. And as you rightly mentioned, I've spent close to two decades in finance in the consumer goods industry mostly working for cpg companies which are multinationals like unilever pepsico kellogg and kimberly Clark. Mm. and i've spent basically all my working years on aspects of finance like supply chain finance marketing finance strategy financial planning and analysis essentially the gamut of roles which exist in finance and in that sense Uh, It's been kind of a long and fulfilling journey, but there is more to go as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, first of all, you describing different aspects of finance itself is interesting because to me finance is finance, but it's interesting that play a role in different parts of the company and specialize in those particular aspects.
1: Right. No, that's the interesting part about the FMCG or the CPG industry that the moment you put a product in the value chain it has uh, various elements which come into being. And then as a finance partner or as a functional partner, you may get to do a lot of different jobs while being in the same organization. So uh, while you spend 20 years in finance, it would be across roles which could look extremely different from each other and that kind of lends some versatility and some interesting take on the overall assignment chain that you end up doing.
0: Yeah, I think that that's already giving us a clue into how one stays, I guess, motivated and refreshed through the entire uh, process. But Pallav, tell me something. I think before we get into your learnings and things like that, what really would you say is the main message or the underlying thread that uh, keeps one going in a specialist kind of role in particular, but I think even more broadly uh, over a long, you know, long career?
1: Right, so I would say Amid that, you know, like you mentioned, if you're going to spend 30 to 35 years of your life in creating a career for yourself, I think the main thing that I would say is that it's important for one to just be deliberate and planful about it as you are embarking on that path. It's not that you will make a plan and then you will just need to stick to that plan. There might be uh, state. It is is where you might have to course correct and check and adjust. The main thing would be that it's good to be deliberate about it as to how you want to uh, kind of construct it. In my view, a career is like a personal brand which gets built over on the span of 20, 30 years. So the good news is that you have the choice to shape it the way you want, mold it the way you want, break the mold if you want and recreate, etc., etc., But at the end of the day, if you're deliberate and planful about it, you have a chance to create something which you would like at the end. So I think that's one uh, important aspect. And the good news is that careers are always unique and bespoke. So in that sense, you can measure the success of that with your own measuring scale. So it's your own and therefore you can kind of create it in your own way and then judge it very objectively as to whether you were able to do justice to your potential
0: or not right so that's interesting the you know the planful part of it because actually to be honest Pallav, in my own regard i really never was like that i ended up kind of floating from thing to thing and maybe that is maybe why i consider myself a generalist as well but i did in fact as part of this whole job talk series i've spoken with people who are much more planned and you know they know where they want to go And I do see that that helps obviously accelerate many aspects of your career because you're focused on one thing, you tend to start doing that very well and you can plan with an objective in mind versus just floating around. So what you're saying actually makes sense to me in that respect. So is this something that you actually figured out right at the start or very early on, like the planfulness and the fact that you wanted to build a career in finance?
1: No, so like everyone else, I kind of muddled my way through it. Now, when I look at concepts like the Simon Sinek's video of starting with the Y, or if you look at the Ikagai concept, etc., one can kind of retrofit it to what it would have been. But the fact is that I muddled my way through it, and I'm sure a lot of us also muddle our ways through it. The way I would say is that I will kind of bring Ikagai, the Japanese concept of the golden mean, perhaps more later as well. But my focus, as I now think back, it was not very clear or crystal clear to me that I would even go in finance, for example. Mm. So a lot of these choices of spending 20 years, 30 years in finance, which today seem like a foregone conclusion, or actually not so. And my whole theory at that point of time, when I was kind of trying to grow professionally was, what am I good at and what I can be paid for? and you know i was just trying to find a good kind of a mean between these two elements hmm. and the logics that were used to evaluate a career at that point in time was that if you're good in numbers uh, why not science and then if you're good in math why not finance and stuff like that which today if i hold that to the test of logic may not fly but the net of it was that there was some bit of innate i would say sense that if I'm good at something, and if I can be paid for that, it might get to a decent career. But what I realized a few years later was that the third circle in the Ikagai is what I love doing, right? And I felt that what I love doing is really part of my life and might not have much to do with my career or my work. But what I realized was that you being good at something has to be linked to what you at the end love doing. Mm. Now you have a choice to either develop that love and affiliation to what you do not all aspects will excite you that's fair but even if you're able to love 50 60 70 percent of what you do then you can be better at it much better at it versus if you hate doing it and therefore you increase your chances of getting paid for it better so way it's a it's a virtuous cycle and what i realized was that finding the why was really about getting a decent intersection between what you're good at what you can be paid for and what you can love doing as well. So I think once I realized the third one and tried to gain more interest in the field that I was and immerse myself into it more, that's when I realized that the virtuous circle kind of started kicking in. And that's when I kind of made peace with my career journey as well as starting doing perhaps better than I would have worked
0: Right. So I think what you're saying is that it's not like you started out with the plan. You started out with certain set of things that you like doing. It happened to take you into finance, but on day one, you were not necessarily fully focused on being a finance person. But yes, over that- time, you realized, yeah, over time, you realized that actually you are like, because it fits with your interest and because obviously it's a job and it's paying you, two of those Ikigai circles were already there. And then you started to develop a love for it as well. And so, you know, then... you got good at it and that starts that whole virtuous cycle. I guess it almost sounds like arranged marriage or love marriage kind of thing, right? I mean, (laughs) yes, you could have had a, you know, so-called in India, what we'd call a love marriage, and you got to know the person in advance and you married them, and you know, that's the the planfulness from day one.
1: And it's eerie that you say that, right? Because just like marriage, you got to
0: spend 35-40 years right so you better be planful about it yeah exactly so career is like a marriage in its way you it's a relationship you have to build in any case and so you can either fall into it love it from the start and you know make it work or you could fall in love with it over time which yeah. is more the arranged marriage thing and that's a little bit like what you're saying right now as well but either way you're saying that you need to quickly figure out what is the thing that you're going to want to do in life and then, you know, kind of plan to do well in that. And that's the planfulness you're talking about. So that's really good. I think that makes a lot of sense. And it does explain uh, how some people tend to do very well as specialists because they've probably figured out that this is their thing that they want to do. And then, you know, they get good at it because they like doing it.
1: And and, and I, I just add one small thing to that, Amit, which is that as you go along your career, because it might not have been the first choice and therefore you muddled through it. And as you went along, you developed more and more interest. But along the way, there would be temptations offered by the organization or when you were doing those roles to say, can I go into sales and marketing, for example, or can I venture into general management and so on and so forth? Those could come at midpoint or even before. So what will make you stick? And you know, one of my friends gave me great advice in that regard which is again related to the circles that I talked about. But what he said was that it's always tempting to branch out and do something different. But what you've got to remember is that you need to choose a vocation which you enjoy doing, even if you are stuck in a rut or not successful. And right. that kind of you know stuck with me as I was evaluating a few roles outside of finance. And I asked myself that as long as we are successful, we keep thinking about that—that that I will do this branch out, and then I'll come back, and so on and so forth. But if we fail, and if we get stuck into that other function, would we enjoy doing it? And that's the piece that kind of inspired me to say, "Let me choose something that that I enjoy doing."
0: So that's an interesting one, Pallav. Essentially, you're its almost like you're saying that there—that even sticking with one kind of line or one function is still a, a series of choices. So even if you've decided early on that you like doing something, you're always going to be tempted to do something else because fact is grass looks greener on the other side always to everyone. And so therefore, it's an intentional thing to stay doing what you're doing because you need to, again goes back to the why, which is if you truly enjoy doing that thing, then even if you're stuck or you're not doing well or you're just frustrated, you will still fundamentally enjoy doing it and so that's uh, that's actually a really good piece of advice as well which is the continuing conscious choice and why you're uh, yeah. doing something
1: that's right if i take 30 seconds more and uh, tell you about this uh, the roger federer story between 2012 to 2017 uh, <laughs> okay. for, a, for a champion player who won 17 grand slams till then not win a single grand slam for five years what did that mean right so one of his peers was analyzing that and said that the thing that i would want to take away from roger's game is the joy right the happiness that he gets when he plays he just plays for the love of the sport so how could you go on for four or five years without winning and i guess that's the emotion that i'm kind of trying to convey.
0: Yeah, that's really good insight. In fact, I think we've got very two very good analogies so far. The marriage one and the sports one. And I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense, because it boils down to that. If you're going to do something for a long period of time, you'd better enjoy doing it. And it can't just be about who's going to pay me more and that's why I'm going to just keep doing that particular thing. Okay, so we talked about the reasons for choosing a career and then kind of sticking to that and so on. So how does one, in your opinion, what are some of the ingredients to succeed? I mean, it's one thing that you picked a line, but then you also want to be successful. So what are some of the ingredients of doing that?
1: So I would say, Amit, uh, boiling down to three things, I would say the first one would be aspiration. The second one would be ability and the third one would be choices along the way. So Mm -hmm. I would say it all starts with aspiration. Aspiration could be either defined as the fire in the belly or the hunger that you have, but I would also like to say that it's contextual and I would always say that it's unique to the individual. So when I say fire in the belly, it does not necessarily mean that you always want to have an oversized impact of career in your life. Mm. You could very well decide that career will have a proportional impact and therefore your aspiration would be that and there's no one else to judge other than yourself. But I would say aspiration is the foundation depending upon what is your level of hunger and fire and what's the kind of impact that you would want career to have on your life. So Mm. that's the starting point. And I think the rest of the two stem from the aspiration, but it's important. So when I say ability, there are some innate abilities, but I would say over the years, you realize that you will keep on succeeding and making different levels and the ability requirement will keep on changing as you straddle the ladder, right? So there is innate and there is also cultivated Mm -hmm. and people usually attach a lot of importance to innate. But the fact is that we all need to cultivate newer and newer abilities at a regular basis and that's the only way to succeed. I love sporting analogies, but it's like Pete Sampras going from a right-handed backhand, a right-handed or a double-handed backhand to a single-handed backhand. Nadal being a right-handed person but yeah. trying to be a left-handed pair and so on and so forth. So it's almost like or people changing their game or going for a different stroke or adding different strokes those are all things that we keep on doing in our professional life as well, whether it is about, so I was an MBA who was very keen on doing financial analysis. I love numbers and analysis, but the finance world is full of accounting as well as processes and controls, and those are skills that you need to add along the way. So mobility is, as I said, both innate and cultivated, and you need to kind of focus on that. And then the last piece is choices which would be the decisions that you would make along the way. I've seen Amit in in a lot of cases that people have high aspiration, they have medium ability, but the decisions and choices that they make are at times so relevant that they're able to still make a very successful career versus someone who had great ability, but was afraid to make some choices or some decisions. So I think it's a magical combination of these three and depending on how you kind of play it you could have uh, different outcomes I would add to say that choices always have implications so you need to just stay the course and reconcile with those implications as as it happens
0: yeah so there's actually a few points here that I want to dive into a bit more so maybe let's start with the the aspiration bit so I guess what you're trying to say here is that not everybody needs to or wants to become a CFO of a large conglomerate let's say or a large global company and that's okay because you need to decide what is right for your life and then aim for that and so therefore if you calibrated your life such that being a middle manager is good for you then you should be happy with that and you're the only person who needs to judge on that basis. I think the challenge in today's world is that there are too many places to compare and so what would your recommendation be around that which is how does again this comes down to the same staying the course why focus that kind of thing but how does one get comfortable with one's choice if that choice is not okay i'm going to do whatever it takes to get to the top or at what stage do you think people become comfortable with choices different from what you would project on social media
1: so if i get your question right what you're saying is that if you've taken a choice which is slightly different from the traditional choice of being a, constantly
0: moving up yeah
1: constantly moving up then how do you sort of reconcile with it at an overall level so i guess it's one of the points amit that i would have brought up at the end anyway which okay. is the fourth circle of the ikigai which is essentially there is a golden mean that we need to we we all strive for whether consciously or unconsciously which is not just about work and career but which is about life as a whole And that fourth circle in in Ikagai is basically what the world needs. So essentially what I am good at, what I can be paid for, what I love doing and what the world needs. So in a way it's fulfilling all the four aspects that could be missing pieces in, in everyone's life and that unconsciously everyone strives for. So the fact is that for someone who's decided to have a different kind of a career path and has a different and unique aspiration, if it's all thought through from the point of view of an overall life balance then it, it's absolutely fine as long as one can be kind of, as I said, one is able to make peace with it because every choice has an implication but along the way I, I agree with you Amit that it's not a perfect word so along the way you might find that the choice you decided and the result that you're getting there is a dissonance, the dissonance could be both ways. I've seen so many of my friends and colleagues who have chosen a very high aspiration, Mm. followed it through all through two decades, and then on the third decade, they start having some vacuum as far as the life part is concerned. Whether what I'm doing has any implication for the world or am I operating in a cocoon which is just completely bereft of uh, reality? And that's a different kind of dissonance. It's like I'm extremely successful in my career, but I'm not getting fulfillment in my life. Equally, I've seen that people might have chosen a more relaxed career approach in order to perhaps balance their lives. And then during the uh, kind of a mid-path, they realize that I would have been or could have been happier if I was more successful. So right. if I had more ambition and so on and so forth. So I would say those are dissonances which will perhaps always trail us. And the only way, I guess, that we can overcome that is I I know that we would have thought about the why and decided it but the fact is we are all evolving Mm -hmm. and it's important to keep addressing and course correcting and I would say it's never too late if you believe that you can do better on any one of the aspects yeah I mean create another vision for yourself from here on to the next 10 years maybe you will kind of at least be happy that you tried
0: yeah in fact I'm happy you said that because I feel like a lot of people get stuck on that path and they don't think they can break out of it, particularly the one where you are yeah. moving very fast and then you want to slow down because that's the exact situation where people will say, oh, what's wrong with you? You yeah. are almost going to become X and now you've just decided to yeah. give it all up and you know become a hermit.
1: We hear a lot more about those cases yeah. I absolutely agree with
0: you, yeah. Yeah, and that's a very tough choice to make because that's the kind of choice where everybody's going to be saying the opposite thing, including your family, your friends, everybody that uh, you'd want to get some validation from. So, but it's a good point that you make over there, which is that it's worth constantly evaluating and then maybe having the guts to say that it's not working and making that change at that point. The other one I wanted to deep dive into a bit more is the right choices, because my understanding of that was something like you see a lot of people where you feel like you're so much better than them or, you know, people you know are so much better than them in capability, but somehow they seem to be sailing through and uh, doing very well uh, within quotes in life. So if that's what you're alluding to, what is it that you think they, uh, you know, are the kinds of choices or the things that they're doing to actually be able to overcome the lack of capability in order to still move ahead?
1: Right. So, uh, yeah, I would say that just keeping, just moving forward in a career is important. And some of the people who may take decisions, whether it is about taking a new role, a new assignment, a new risk, a new location, uncharted territories, sometimes turn out to be uh, game changing as far as their career journey is concerned. The biggest risk we all can take is to not take a risk at all. That's so true. It's I've kind of lived through that, seen colleagues and friends and for myself as well. So. One thing is very clear that it is a treadmill. So if you're staying at the same place, you will fall behind. Mm. And therefore, I really appreciate those friends and colleagues who have made those difficult choices. Sometimes it's about staying in an organization when it's going through a tough time. Sometimes it's about taking a location which is challenging, but the experience is very fulfilling. Sometimes it's about taking a role which, has, which doesn't have the trappings of success written on it, but would be extremely different experience. So I appreciate friends and colleagues who have taken those risks and therefore those choices have turned out to be great. And I would like to inculcate a few things that I could given my own life framework because we all can't take all those choices uh, every time. So I think one is that aspect that would be the reason that, as I said, someone with high aspiration, medium ability, but absolutely the right attitude in terms of choices and decisions Mm -hmm. could make a much better career than some of us or some others and equally I would also say that usually it's very fashionable to attach a lot of deliberation to everything that happens in our lives and our colleagues lives. Mm-hmm. I would say there is a clearly a role of luck, mm-hmm. uh, good and bad that gets played out in our lives and in our peers lives. So at some stage I would say the right opportunity at the right time may come for you or for them and when you are reflecting back on a comparative chart on your career versus others it's important to just ground yourself on the fact that if you have stayed behind it might not be for any good reason of your own doing and equally if you've done better, then it's uh, important to acknowledge the role of luck that have played that part and kind of stay humble.
0: Yeah, actually, that's an important point as well. I mean, especially I think when people come from they've had a strong education and stuff and so therefore the natural thing is that you know, you're going to go to these brand name companies and do brand name things in all those places. And the ones who may have gone a little bit off track versus that, like they didn't go to the brand name places or did something just that felt a little weird at the time. Many of them actually end up doing very well in life because that off track thing suddenly became a mainstream activity and they were among the very few people who had done that early on.
1: Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, if you look yeah. at the startup world or the online world and small organizations which went on to become unicorn, or even if, if they did not, the exposure that one got when one immersed into that yeah. world and how it's gained prominence today.
0: Right. So one is the good choice or the right choice that you're saying that they made to do that in the face of, you know, obviously a lot of potential opposition. But then there's also the luck element, which is that off-track thing could have remained an off-track thing. Yeah. In which case... Well tried, but you know, you still failed kind of thing. So I think these are these are good points. And I appreciate I actually like this framework of aspiration, ability and choices, because I think it sums up quite nicely into how one should move forward for one's own circumstance and desires. So uh, maybe a little bit more on the ability front, because we didn't touch upon that. So, I mean, ability is about, I guess, getting good at doing whatever that you're doing. So how does one actually do that? Or what are your thoughts on in that respect?
1: As I said that you definitely focus on leveraging what your innate strengths are. And if you know it's important for you to be self-aware that I just feel that when we are making a career, there is a brand name attached to how you conduct yourself and what you bring to the table. Everyone has something unique. Again, you know, if you look at sports analogy, you will find that you attach some kind of an adjective to every role model of yours, right? A Virat Kohli will have a certain aggression, NMS Tony would have something else, a Pederer and Nadal, et cetera. So the fact is that while we have mundane jobs and, and careers uh, in a manner of speak, at the end of the day, we all bring something unique. So if there is something innate and unique, you need to find that and you need to leverage that and really use that strength. So that's one. And as far as building more and more abilities concerned, that is a journey that you also need to take very seriously. What you hear won't get you there. is a oft used framework in corporate careers. So the bigger job that you get, very different kind of abilities are needed, and you have got to keep working on that in your previous job, rather than when you land the next job. So it could be about developing a worldview when it's got nothing to do with your current job because you know that at at some point in time, you will need it. It could be about refining your communication skills, could be about building functional skills, like I said about what's the new trend on on accounting, reporting, et cetera. In in finance, in my previous company, one of my previous companies, there was a great framework, which we were told, this was more function specific, and it was about the four P's, the four P's of finance, which was essentially about, if you want to be a well-rounded leader in finance, you've got to focus on productivity now productivity is all cost efficiencies and of course as finance folks who are uh, trained on numbers we are precision tooled for succeeding at productivity so that's fine that comes naturally but there is partnering right and the, that's the piece which is really really critical in finance and becoming even more critical which is to know the business and to partner with the business and to use your functional skills to solve business problems versus to come at at a problem as a functional expert and give your observations and an inside view. So that's partnering and then there is process and there is people. So that framework has helped in kind of improving ability over the years for myself, as I looked at what are the aspects which I need to build my muscle on. There could be different frameworks around that, but it's it's basically a continuous and constant journey of learning and developing more and more uh, ability. So what do you think, uh, Pallav? This uh, this 4P
0: framework is an interesting one. How have you seen the finance world evolve over time? Like when you first started, you would have looked up to various CFOs who would have been in your organization versus the CFO that you are today versus you know other more senior CFOs maybe that you might be looking at. How has the function evolved over these 20 years to make something more or less important than it used to be?
1: So one I would say is that if you just stick to the four Ps, this was a role which was always focused on the process, controls element, reporting elements in the past, and there were elements of productivity anyway. So these two were there. What has got an oversized impact over the last few, last many years is the partnering element. I think CEOs view CFOs as their strategic partners. I always give the analogy of a co-pilot. So you need to know how Uh, most aspects of the business work and therefore partner with the CEO to make sure that those aspects are running in the best possible way and using your functional skills, not to kind of tout them as functional skills, but to use them to solve real business problems. So I often say that I'm a finance professional with 20 years experience and a business professional with 15 years experience because after four or five years thanks to my mentors and bosses, I realized that it's the business which needs to kind of drive the way finance also needs to kind of service uh, the business. So in that sense, the partnering element has had an outsized role. And the other thing I would say is technology uh, has played an outsized role. A lot of roles can be automated. A lot of activities can be outsourced. And therefore what you focus as a finance group in an organization is really to drive efficiencies in transactional or routine processes, but at the same time, add as much value as you can add through analysis insights in the rest of the function. So I think those are a few kind of irrevocable trends that I've seen, which which are only strengthening.
0: Right. Actually, this partnering angle is an interesting one. So essentially you're saying, 20 years back maybe the CFO was like a a policeman like these are the numbers you cannot reach any of these budgets nothing and deliver the outcome and I don't care how you do it but now it is more about not only do I care how you do it we need to co-work the solution uh, together absolutely right okay so so because of all of this evolution what is the role of let's say how does one keep up with all of this essentially like these changing trends and things like that
1: so uh, in a way, it's almost like VUCA is built in as a base case now. So at the end of the day, you've just got to expect that there is some or the other aspect of the PNL which will spring a surprise. That's the kind of world we live in, and no better example than the last couple of years or what's happening right. even currently. So I guess once you are prepared that this is how businesses and PNLs are going to play out, what you can do at the back end is basically create systems and processes in such a way that there are always multiple scenarios that you will account for. You can make your IT systems and the ones which help you in forecasting in such a way that they will always have flexibility to accommodate a few scenarios. The plan Bs are no longer just on paper. They would be <laughs> activated a lot. So you better pay a lot of attention to those plan Bs and maybe C, D, et cetera, as well. So. That's the only way, I would say, instead of fighting the dynamism that we have, just kind of build it into your processes and systems and move along because there's just no point in expecting a stable state in the environment.
0: Right. Okay. So I think maybe one last question around the lessons and stuff. You mentioned Ikigai a few times. So maybe like, what are your... Why do you believe in this particular framework so much and how has it shaped your thinking?
1: So I think, you know, it stems from the fact that I've seen a few failures in my career and what one realizes is that you will eventually see some failures in your career, whether it could be a specific assignment or a series of jobs and so on and so forth. And so is your life only going to be centered around the work that you do or is there something else that's also important? So I guess the golden mean is something elusive and we all strive for it. I do feel that every person at heart is striving for that mean because that's why we said, right? So many friends and colleagues who are doing great at their career may have a vacuum or the other Fair way around. Fight. So Why is this? Because I guess we all strive for that golden mean or that balance. That's kind of always been at the back of my mind and a few events, etc., have reinforced the fact that one needs to fight, find that balance and of course it makes sense because you won't be always successful you won't always have the job and at some point in time you will have as one of my mentors used to say say other channels of stimuli that you will have to have in your life so therefore creating a set of hobbies or creating a set of family relationships or uh, creating some set of sense of purpose that what you're doing has some impact on the world and so on and so forth um is kind of important and that's what keeps you going when there are uh, lows in the career. There are many, many lows, of course, not just as events, but just off days. And you've got to have a few things that will get you up so, so that you can make this 35 year long journey, right? Yeah,
0: that's right. And I think it also kind of guards against when you only identify with your job, what are you? I am XYZ at XYZ company. Then the problem is that when it goes away, which it inevitably will at some point, then what are you left with exactly. and if you don't have anything else and that's I mean to me the surest recipe for depression yes, <laughs> after definitely. that because you have uh-huh. no meaning. So Pallav you're quite a thoughtful person you write a lot on LinkedIn also and I know you read and watch interesting things so are there any resources that you can share which people can access to maybe elaborate a bit more on what you've talked about or just to guide them professionally?
1: Yeah, so I I would say that growing professionally, I found a few books which were very, very uh, motivating for me to do better at my job and so on and so forth. And then over time, some other kind of books, et cetera, inspired me. So the nature keeps changing. But yeah, I would say that there is this book uh, by Stephen Covey called First Things First, which is a great one, which says that stop looking at the clock, start looking at the compass really decide what's important for you and the best way to time manage is really to priority manage first so i think that was really it was really helpful in my formative years of my career and then i watched the simon sinek video of starting with the why a lot that's always inspiring every time you see it so i think that's something i would say sport is great right and now it depends upon what you get motivated from it could be it could be movies sport etc but for me, sport has given me a lot of lessons in terms of what the role models are able to generate and what spirit they bring and how they manage their careers. So I would say if you follow a sport, there are always great lessons on uh, in mm-hmm. sport. And then lately, I really like a few other books, one called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle and the other one called uh, Life, Love and Laughter by Osho. I think that's more dwelling on the other balancing part which we talked about. Which, was, which is about saying that everything you need to bring your whole self to, but at the end of the day, you need to also have the perspective to know that it's not not the be all and end all. So that goes to, I think, what we just discussed a few minutes back. So yeah, a mix of these few things, I would say, would be good, you know, aid to have a balanced career.
0: Nice. I think these are all, it's a good list of resources. And in fact, this whole clock versus compass sounds fantastic and the why one by Simon Sinek I've read the book so it's uh, oh. actually really good as well in fact my wife recommended it to me so in fact it's sitting there <laughs> on the shelf right now so thanks a lot for sharing that now before we close I wanted to ask you what is there's a lot of people listening to this episode and many of them may be early in their careers and you know can actually spend the time trying to figure out some of these things that you said So what is maybe one thing that they could start doing immediately after this episode to just get started?
1: Right. So I would only say, Amit, that in our careers, we spend a lot of time figuring out choices and figuring out the ladder, right? How do we become this and that and so on and so forth? I would say that what immediately one can start doing is focus on doing versus becoming. And that's kind of, in a way, saying that whatever you are, be a good one. So in that sense, Remember that irrespective of choices, ability, aspiration, what gets you the next role and the next assignment is really about how well do you do your current assignment. So instead of always focusing on what I could get next and what I could become, if you just focus on doing the job at hand well, create whatever assignment you've got or job you've got, create a vision around it, consume yourself and immerse yourself in that Mm. and do an excellent job there, would be something that could be immediate it could start from tomorrow and then the rest of it obviously could follow
0: yeah i I think that's a good piece of advice because i have encountered people where you know every time you have a conversation with them it's like oh how can i get promoted next year what does that person think of me or how am i perceived and all of that and i agree with you i mean if you just do a really good job, these questions won't need to be asked, you'll be noticed. Because good job means not just quietly doing it also, all the other elements, partnering, communicating, all that stuff that you mentioned. But if you're doing all of that well and you're bringing your full self to it and everybody can see it, then you won't need really to worry so much about these uh, yeah, other things.
1: Absolutely. Any, anyone who asks me, let's say my colleagues or my, team, my uh, ex-team members, etc. as to Do you think we will become a CFO? And I I say we will all become CFOs if that's what you want. The choice that you want to exercise is, will you become a good CFO or not? (laughs) And I think that's what we need to focus on.
0: Right, okay. Yeah, I think that's a really, it's a very good way of putting it because, yeah, fact is, if you move around enough or you find some way to it, you will become whatever it is that you want to be. But if you aren't a good one, then, you know, eventually you get found out, I think. Ultimately, yeah. you can't keep well, faking it till you make it uh, yeah. forever with your career. Okay, so so Pallav, thank you so much. I think number one, extremely good and meaty conversation. And I think also a really good takeaway at the end, which is, you know, just do your thing really well. And many of these things will take care of themselves. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this would have found it enlightening. So let me just summarize some of the points that you made. So I think the first point was, well, broadly around Ikigai, but do something that you enjoy and which resonates with you personally because otherwise it's going to be hard to keep it up for 30, 40 years. The second one was to focus on sort of a balance of three things, which is aspirations, abilities, and making good choices along the way so that you can kind of accelerate your career or get to your aspirations, you know, in a sensible manner. Third one was on focusing on becoming very good at your work and then if you can be very good at your work then good things will follow from there. Then we did touch upon the element of luck which is even if you've done all the good choices and you've tried things sometimes things don't work and sometimes they work but if you keep learning and evolving and like you said like the finance function seems to have evolved a lot over 10 or 15 years then you will be there when luck actually chooses to smile on you and you'll be prepared at that time. And finally, maintaining balance in life. So career isn't the be all and end all, and you need to have other things as well. And also, I think it goes back to the long-term thing. I mean, you can't keep something going, you know, monomaniacally focused on that, excluding everything else and trying to keep that going for so long. So, Thanks a lot, Pallav. I think these were great tips and it's a really good distillation of a lot of things that you write on LinkedIn as well. So I would certainly encourage everybody to go and you know look you up on LinkedIn and, and see the other stuff that you've written and uh, really appreciate your time today too. And for those of you listening in today, please do remember to rate this episode five stars. At least for me, this was definitely a five-star episode. So, so feel free to do that. And do remember to visit crazytalk.online For the entire transcript in case you want to brush up on any of the points read the note uh, you know read the discussion and so on so thank you so much pallav it was a pleasure having you and everyone listening in thank you for joining us today we were pallav and amit with job talk Uh, see you next time